listening to Abiding Hope Church's podcast of our weekly sermons. For more information about our church, please visit abidinghope.org. focus text for today is from the third chapter of Exodus. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer, remove the sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Here ends the reading. May the seed of God's word take root and bear fruit in our lives. I've always been a big reader. I just, I love to read. When I was a kid, I was definitely that kid that my mom would say, turn off the lights, and I'd say, okay. Then she'd come back in later, and I'd be under the covers with my flashlight reading a book. I was definitely that kid. I was the kid that at camp in our tents, the, the camp counselor would say, all right, it's lights out, everybody, it lights out, I'd say, okay, and then we'd all put our lights out, and soon my flashlight would be back on, and I'd be reading, like, as if they couldn't see the flashlight through the walls of the tent, you know, not the brightest. But I loved reading, and one of my favorite things to read, something that I've read almost every year of my life, is the Tolkien trilogy of The Lord of the Rings. Any other Lord of the Rings fans here, people who read? I loved The Lord of the Rings. I loved reading it every year. I still try to read it every year, but I do now give myself permission to skip huge swaths of it because there's, there's, there's chapters of, and they're walking, and they're walking, and they're walking, you know, so I, I give myself permission to skip those. So uh, in case you didn't know, it's a story of uh, Frodo Baggins who gets this ring but I'll tell you more about that later. But no one then was more excited when I heard that Lord of the Rings was coming out as a movie. So I was definitely that guy who was there on Thursday night at midnight, 
So when they did the first showing at 12.01, I was watching The Lord of the Rings, and it did not disappoint. I love The Lord of the Rings trilogy. I, I own the Blu-ray box set with all of the extras, and I have watched every minute of all of it. I loved The Lord of the Rings. But there's one scene in the movie that came to mind when I was thinking about these times, thinking about what does it mean to be here in our place, in our world today? There's a scene. Well, let me, well, let me tell you a little bit about the story. The story is of Frodo Baggins. Frodo is what's called a hobbit, uh, a little person. It's a community of people that are uh, about just three feet tall, it says in the book. Um, they're, they're a small people, and somehow through fate and circumstances, he ends up with what's called a ring of power, where all of the dark world's energy and evilness is focused in the power of this ring. And somehow it ends up in Frodo's hand. And so it's Frodo who is tasked with the, with the, with the work of taking this ring, passing through all the bad guys, all their armies, all their bad stuff to travel across land and, 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 and swamp and horror into the darkest place in the entire planet to walk up a volcano and throw it inside. A hobbit. I mean, in today's world, it'd be Iron Man. You know, it would be Captain America. I mean, if you're going to choose somebody to do this, you find the biggest and the strongest. But for some reason, fate chose a hobbit to do this job. What's well, coming to the end of the first movie where a fellowship of, of people from all over this place called Middle Earth are, are working with Frodo and trying to get them there and working with him to get them there. But the, but the power of the ring is working on the people inside the fellowship and it's breaking the fellowship down and it's, it's beginning to fail. And Frodo knows that he's at a turning point, that he has to take this ring and he's realizing that he's going to have to go it alone. He's going to have to do it alone. And so there's a scene when all the fellowship is all breaking up and there's bad things happening and it's just him and he's standing at that crossroads and he's holding this ring when he remembers a conversation that he had with his friend, Gandalf the wizard. And he's holding this ring and he's recalling and he's saying, I wish this thing had never come to me. I wish... I had never found the ring. Gandalf says to him, so say all who come to such times, but it's not theirs to decide. All we have to decide is what we do in such times. That feeling of being out of control, of not wanting this moment, of not asking for this moment, of of not even being able to predict that this could ever happen and feeling like, how did this happen? I, I don't want this. this. How did I end up here? Why, why me? Why now? Why in this moment am I called to do something that just seems too big to accomplish? Why a, a hobbit? Why? Why? It makes me think of a time in which I was out shopping in Ohio at a at a big strip mall, big shopping area, and, and moving from one uh, strip mall to another strip mall, there's this huge kind of four-lane road in between us, and, and I was parked, there was a, a van, and then there was a motorcycle driver and his passenger, and then there was me, and it was just taking a long time to get across the road there. It was taking a while, and the, the van would kind of go and then stop, and more cars would come, and it was taking a bit, and the motorcycle driver got impatient and went around the van 
and shot across the four-lane highway. Um, and he lost control, and it kind of bucked up into the air, and the motorcycle shot off into the side and, and hit a brick wall. I don't remember a whole lot of what happened. All I know is somehow I shot across the four lanes myself and came into the entrance, and right there, I didn't park the car. I just jammed it into park and jumped out and ran over to the man who was knocked unconscious, and it was grisly, grisly scene and, and, and something that I don't wish to ever see. In fact, I got a little lightheaded thinking about it this past week and, and grabbed the man's head in case he had a shoulder or neck injury just to keep it stable and just sat there shouting, help, help. I didn't want that time. I didn't want to be in that moment. I didn't ask to be there. I didn't decide that this was going to be a moment for me to be, but yet that was the time given to me. That's where I had to be in that moment was holding this man's head still, trying to keep any sort of neck or head trauma. It makes me think about Moses and what's happening in Moses' life. Moses, the story of Moses is that he was raised after being orphaned. He was raised by Pharaoh's daughter and so was raised in privilege and power, but never lost his identity as a Hebrew. And so when he saw a Hebrew slave being beaten by their taskmaster, he murdered the taskmaster and tried to hide his evidence in sand. But they knew it was him, and so he was going to be attacked, and so he fled. He fled out into the wilderness, where he married and his father Jethro had flocks. And so they sent Moses to be the shepherd. Now, to be clear, for us to have the right ears about this, shepherds are usually young boys, young girls that are sent to tend the flocks, not the grown adult. It was not a position of privilege and power. It was not a strong place. That's why when, if, if, for those of you who are familiar with the Bible, that's why they found David. He wasn't there selected because he was the youngest, so he was the one out with the shepherds. So it's not a powerful place to say Moses was the bottom of the rung and in the worst place. And he was taking these flocks and you can't leave them in one place. It's an arid country and they need to eat. And so he's leading these flocks and they're having to go deeper and deeper through the wilderness. And they come to this mountain. And for some reason, it's at that moment that God reveals God's self to Moses. Like a bush on fire, something like that. A flame but not consumed and a voice comes and says, Moses, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. For I've heard the cry of my people and it is time that they are set free. So I'm sending you, Moses, to go talk to Pharaoh, the most powerful leader in the land. I'm sending you to go there and set my people free. Well, if you're like me and you were Moses, you'd be like, what? Me? I'm a shepherd in the middle of nowhere and I've got burning stick God telling me what to do. Your first thought might be, did I eat a bad burrito? But here it is, God speaking. 
And so, God, and so Moses has this conversation with God, trying to figure it all out. And first of all, he's like, well, who are you? And, and I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac. And, and what is your name? And God says, I am. I, that's all. I exist. I was. I am. I will be. I am. And, and Moses is struggling. And, well, I can't talk. Well, I'll send you someone to talk for you. And he's giving all these reasons why Moses is the wrong one for this particular time. And even at the very end, and I appreciate Moses with this, at the very end, Moses says, please, God, please send somebody else, anybody else. I'm a hobbit. I'm a shepherd. I'm a murderer. Anybody else. And I can almost hear God's voice and Gandalf's voice. As God almost says to Moses, as it is with any who come to times such as these, but it is not their decision. What we can decide is what we do at such times. I'm with you. It is a wilderness out there right now. I went to the grocery store yesterday. It is a wilderness out there. I just needed I just needed chicken noodle soup for my mom who's sick right now and there was like one bottle of $8 chicken noodle soup left and well that's what she got. I hope she enjoyed it. I hope you like it, mom. <laughs> and toilet paper, what's that about? Are we wrapping ourselves in it to protect? I, I don't. So what we decide to do in times like this, fear may want us to hoard and to withdraw and to keep for ourselves. But those things in which we see and perceive as threat, I want us to begin to see as opportunity. That the place that we're in isn't a threat to our life and livelihood. Yes, we're going to affect, be affected by all of this, but there's also opportunity in this moment that we stand like Moses in this burning bush life. And God, I believe, is calling us to take off our shoes because we're on holy ground right now. And we are being called to step into the captivity of the people who live around us and declare a day of the Lord's favor in the middle of their slavery, in the middle of their being captured, to be able to step into that and say, the great I am has sent me to come to you and to help you. It is our time to wonder who up and down our street may need someone. Is there an elderly person who lives right nearby you, who may not have family nearby, who's trapped inside and can't go get groceries, can't go out and get their prescription? Can you go to their door and knock on it and say, are you okay? Is there anything that you need? Can I go pick something up for you? Do you simply need companionship? I don't want you to be isolated. Can you be called into the Moses and the prophetic life of those people's hearts into their wildernesses and say yes in the same way that Christ said yes at the moment on the cross when he didn't want to go, he didn't want it, he said anything but this, Lord, but if you ask me, I'm going to do it. I believe this is the church's opportunity. We preach it all the time to equip one another to be the heart, hands, and feet of that Jesus who steps in with lepers, who walks with the hungry, the sick, the poor, the outcast. It's our place now to be the church, 
We are on holy ground, and it is up for up to us to hear the cry of those who say we need help and we need one another to be that, to settle down those fears, to be like Frodo, grasping that ring and knowing that we don't want this day, but we have a place now to decide to step into that wilderness and to be the, the, the church that God wants us to be. This, this could be our time right now, right now, that God is saying, into the wilderness, I'm sending you into the Pharaoh's and people's lives. I'm sending you at some risk to yourself, maybe. I'm sending you. I think when I go home today, I'm gonna to take a big plastic tub with a lid and I'm gonna find whatever toilet paper I've got in the house. I'm gonna put it in that tub. I'm gonna bring it out to the, to the street. I'm gonna put a little sign next to it that says, if you need a roll of toilet paper, here it is. It's a small thing, but maybe it's a sign for others that maybe hoarding is not the answer. Maybe not locking away is not the answer. Maybe we shouldn't, practice social distancing, maybe physical distancing, maybe not social distancing. Maybe it is our time to exchange a handshake to a warm word of encouragement, to, to turn ourselves outside, to, to, to see our neighbor, to be in new places. And maybe it's even an opportunity in your own household to discover new rhythms of prayer, life together, going on walks, doing a puzzle, Re, re, doing life together, maybe gathering around a table, lighting a candle, praying with one another, praying for the world around you, and then asking God, where are you calling us to be? Maybe, maybe this is a little, a little opportunity for God saying, new rhythms, new life, new habits, good can come out of this. Maybe, maybe it's time. So I invite you today to decide with me to decide to step out and through our wilderness and into others, that we can be the heart, hands, and feet of Jesus. Decide what we're going to do with times such as these. Let us pray. Lord God, you have called your servants to ventures of which we cannot see the ending, by paths as yet untrodden through perils unknown. Give us faith to go out in good courage, not knowing where we go, but only that your hand is leading us and your love supporting us. In the name of love, whose name is Jesus. Amen.